Hi Rachel, what are you doing? Just putting together episode 49 of the Lessons from Lost podcast. That's fantastic. And who are you talking to this time? A lovely lady called Carol Henderson. What's Carol's story? Well, she's reflecting on the parallels of losing her business with other very significant losses in her life and what she learned from them all. Sounds really interesting. Does the porcupine feature at all this week? No, it doesn't. Oh well, let's listen anyway, shall we? Hello and welcome to Lessons from Loss, the podcast in which we share our experiences of loss and more importantly, what we learn from them that now positively guides our lives today. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, and each episode I chat with a different guest. I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the courage and vulnerability of all my guests in sharing their very personal experiences and also the impact that hearing these stories may have on you, the listener. So please take care as you listen. Today, I'm chatting with Carol Henderson, who lost her husband to cancer in 2006, and then went on to work helping others process their grief. Just recently, Carol lost her business and reputation quite literally overnight, and within that loss saw parallels with losing her husband many years earlier. Welcome along, Carol. Hi, Rachel. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, thank you for coming on to share your experiences. So it's really interesting, isn't it, that we often place loss in a hierarchy that say, you know, losing a husband is far more traumatic than losing a business or maybe losing a home is more impactful than losing a parent. But ultimately, what I'm coming to see with the sort of the breadth of losses that my guests share on the podcast is that it's not always about the actual thing or person that we lose it's more the meaning or the significance of it or them in our lives. And it's, so you can see parallels within loss, sort of in completely different scenarios of loss. Is that something that you've noticed with the work that you do with supporting others through grief and of course, in your own experience? Absolutely. And it's interesting this human need to place things in hierarchies, isn't it? And the truth is, all grief is unique so because all relationships are unique. So, yes, you're right. Um, while there are parallels and um, the knee-jerk reaction, particularly in grieving, if is I'm saying I'm grieving the loss of my business and someone's grieving the loss of some a human very close, but it's not the same. Well, of course it's not the same. Um, and I'm not saying it's the same. The only person that gets to decide how painful the loss was compared to another loss is the person who've experienced their own losses. So I'm not saying losing my business was the same as losing my husband. Of course it wasn't. But it was a huge loss for me because of the length and intensity of the relationship I had with my work and my business. Um, So that's what it's about. It's about the level of emotional investment. So I had a huge emotional investment in that business. Um, I've had other businesses that um, came and went for around, sold one, you know, I've done another one. And, you know, that's fine. So it's about that emotional investment. Again, if we relate it perhaps to parents, 
Um, so someone loses a mum who was a very close, loving mum. They, uh, you know, maybe had the rough patch when you're a teenager, but you kind of get through that, you know, like you do yeah. and you grow up and you have this lovely, close relationship. And um, the mum dies, is going to have a very different experience of parental loss to someone who had a less than functional relationship with mum where perhaps it wasn't loving or perhaps the loving was uh, conditional. You know, maybe there was verbal abuse, physical abuse, other stuff going on. That's an incredibly different loss, but it's still loss of mum. Unfortunately, what we tend to do is look at everything through our own frame of reference. Yeah. So we say my relationship with mum was like this, so therefore losing a mum was like this. Um, and the one that often comes up when I work with widows as a widow is getting very upset with someone else that said they're going through a divorce and it's like a bereavement. And the truth is comparisons always minimize someone, mm. you know? Um, so as soon as you say, I have it worse than you, you're minimizing their pain. Yeah. And yeah. the truth is our pain is our pain. So someone going through a divorce is having their unique pain. Someone going through being widowed is going through their unique pain. And we can't measure it. And, and in fact, it's not a competition anyway. No, that's, that's <laughs> a very good point. <laughs> we're all losers. You know, in this competition, we're all losers. Um, but it's very easy. Grief is a very selfish emotion. And that's okay. It is a normal, natural response to loss. We grieve all losses, and yes, all losses different. So I've never been through a divorce. I can't speak to what that's like. Or, you know, I've had romantic breakups. Um, it's different. Of course it's different. But back to, I talked to another widow. There may be parallels. It may have been a completely different experience. You know, I've worked with widows, again, where the relationship was less than happy. Mm. And it ends up with very conflicting feelings because you're never going to get to win that last argument. Apart from anything else. So yeah. the thing is, there are parallels between um, being widowed and divorced in that, you know, you're left to cope with things on your own. Um, in a divorce, there may well have been betrayal, which I didn't experience. But I was very angry with him for very different reasons, because he didn't go for the doctor. So I was angry and felt let down. So someone who's gone through a divorce may feel angry and let down um, because of what was going on in their relationship. Doesn't mean it's the same, but there are parallels. Um, so you still kind of need to rebuild a life on your own. Um, it's, it's different because every loss is different. And I can't stress that enough. Everyone is unique. And... Um, there are potential lessons in every loss. So what I've learned through that loss of my business is contracts are irrelevant is how deep are your pockets for lawyers, but also that it's possible to live and thrive in a new way. Yes. So that's the parallel, you know, yeah, I have yeah. a new thriving business which I love and in many ways I'm enjoying more it's taken us in a slightly different direction 
I love helping people who have broken hearts. I've got a wonderful way to help them with that. I'm training other people that are similarly moved to help others, which is just the most rewarding work because then the ripple effect of what I do is just so much bigger. Because if I train someone and they help two people, I've then helped three. Yeah. Um, And if they help enough people and they feel so much better, they get inspired to help others as well. And they come to me for training. And it's just this wonderful exponential spreading of healing and love. Um, And it also keeps me real in the sense that I learned a lot of things when my husband died age 41 about just how short life is. And when I hear my client's stories, it's humbling and a real privilege to hear someone's heart story. So I find it incredibly rewarding just to allow them to be heard. The grieving heart needs to be heard above all else. There's no fix. But what I can do is equip people with a set of tools to help that healing process by hearing them and giving them some hints on getting out everything that needs to be said. And when we do that, and when I hear them, I'm also reminded, because often I'm hearing about bereavements, estrangements, endings. Mm. So endings are prevalent throughout our life, aren't they? So some of them, low emotional intensity, like your favourite TV programme comes to an end. Or Watching the repeats isn't quite the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I watch the repeats because I get some of that, but it's not quite the same. So that's a kind of very low intensity relationship, if you like, with the characters in this fictional TV programme. To real, maybe a short, passionate love affair that burned really hot and bright like a fire made from dry grass. Yeah. Short-lived, but really intense. To something that's a bit more of a, a slow burn. Um, all different. And when it ends, we are left with those feelings of loss. So a very low intensity thing, that's just disappointment. <laughs> all the way through to utter agony. Um, when Kevin died, I actually had so much physical pain and no one tells you there is physical pain associated no, with loss. No. Something that just doesn't get talked about. People talk about heartbreak. Actually, my heart felt really heavy. Every muscle in my body ached. It's like I had really bad flu or I'd done a really stupid workout. Everything hurt. And I described it as every strand of DNA in my body being ripped into at the helix. That it was so guttural, so visceral, that pain in those early days. Um, I have healed. Um, so that was really intense. Did that you get physical that, pain? Did you get that same or a a similar sort of physical pain with the loss of the business and reputation? It. Ha- I had a very heavy heart. And it wasn't the same ripping apart, but it was like someone had punched me in the solar plexus, so yeah. winded. 
There was definitely a muscle ache, but not the same intensity. No. So it was a physiological reaction. Yeah, yeah. And absolute apathy. And um, to the point, you know, doing COVID tests, because we're in that, <laughs> um, and didn't have COVID. We did have grief. So um, my husband was involved as well. So we we were both um, in January, business closed in December, January. It was like we were convalescing from a severe flu. That's what mm. it felt like. And so no emotional energy, no energy to do anything physically at all. Um, and I said, I need to get away. So we had a week in Lanzarote. I said, I just need some sun on my bones. I need to, to feel some physical warmth that's not central heating. <laughs> it's just not cutting it. So um, we, and it was, you know, bizarre because we were still masks on at that stage and having to, uh, in Spain, you're still supposed to have your mask on by the pool. All a bit odd. But I definitely felt the sun and being outside was helpful to that healing process. And, and during that, then we started to talk about what we could do next and um, how we were going to move forward and taking um, some bits. And there's an analogy that I got from a lady called Kate Boydell, um, who I met very early in my widow journey, who called herself a death coach rather than a life coach. I'm not sure that's the best name. <laughs> she um, specialised in coaching young widows. She'd been widowed young herself. She's in her 30 when her husband died from heart attack. And so she used this analogy. And I applied it to the business loss as well. She says, so your relationship with Kevin, should if you think of, like, you know, younger towers, you know, you build up with the blocks. Yeah, yeah. So our um, marriage, if you like, our two towers were built into each other his tower got pulled down pulled down mine partially crumbled away because he took some blocks with him but they were still there so should you can rebuild your tower and you've got choice on which blocks you pick up and put back into your new tower and i liked that mm. and i found that very powerful because i could actually sit there and reflect on what i really enjoyed in my marriage and you know what was less fun because like all marriages it wasn't a hundred percent joys and butterflies and unicorns because that's not what human relationships no. are like um so it was a really helpful one in deciding yeah i can rebuild and i don't have to do it quickly i can do it slowly and mindfully and choose the the aspects of his personality so he was he was a neat freak i'm I like it neat, but I'm untidy by nature. So yeah. I'll get so far untidy and then I'll tidy up. So I like it neat. So I kind of said, well, I want some of his neatness. So I'm going to pick that up and I'm going to be neater. And I did. I got better at tidying. I'm still untidy, but I tidy up sooner than I did before. Makes sense. Um, interestingly, the universe has brought me a second husband who's the untidiest man in the world. And um, so... <laughs> It's the lesson for complaining about being married to a neat freak. Mm -hmm. There's my punishment right there. Yeah. So 
it's a whole different discussion. <laughs> um, so in when the business went, I went, okay, what did I really enjoy? And who did I enjoy serving? And how can I continue to serve them? And how can I enjoy those bits? But how can we bring something else in to make it new and different and unique? What didn't I do that I know I used to enjoy? Mm. Um, so, um, and the interesting thing is that was a business that I started, that Ian, my husband now, came to work in the new business is something that we've started together, which is a very different dynamic. Yes, yeah. And um, lovely that it's something that you've, as you say, you've you've created. We've created it together. together. And um, it's got some, we're bringing the good bits um, from the old business into this one. We're bringing more of his key strengths into the new one. Um, and it took me a while to figure out how to bring this training stuff, which is what I love and, and helping others and his marketing and branding skills and how we were going to bring that together. Took some, because they seem to be really far apart and it, it took some thinking and, and some, some working out, but now we've, we've found a way to bring it together. Um, by bringing branding and marketing skills to the people that serve those who have been briefed. So we are targeting, if you like, niching towards the funeral sector. So although we work with all sorts of businesses and all sorts of people, um, we are helping those who serve those who are grieving. Yeah. So with training and with <clears throat> everything else that we do. So it's brought that together. And so the lesson is, it doesn't matter how well you are doing, something can kind of come out of left field. So many people had that in COVID. And for me, COVID was all about loss of connection because my business kept going through that. We got through COVID. Ian lost his, his other business during COVID because he had a forest school. And you'd think, oh, great, you know, it's one thing, it's outside and it's, no, most of his clients were schools, all their money went from extractive to cleaning supplies and everything else. And it said, no, sir, I've got no budget left for you. And that killed that business. Um, so he'd lost a business as well. So we learned that it doesn't matter how well you're doing, how good your relationships are you just never know what the universe is going to chuck at you no next no and I wonder at what point sort of going back to that thing about um the opportunities arising out of loss I mean that's something that I can now look back on um losing my husband you know, 23 years ago when we were both pretty young is that of course, I would have wanted him to have lived and we grew old disgracefully together and for my daughter to have a father for present in much of her life and certainly sort of way throughout her childhood. But I'm also very aware that, you know, that has given me the opportunities to have other relationships, experience 
other styles of living. Um, yeah, so in a way, I'm kind of also grateful, you know, I'm very grateful for the love and the relationship that we have, but I'm also grateful that I've also had that opportunity to experience different things as well. But I don't think somebody said that to me, I don't know, a few weeks after he passed away. I probably wouldn't have been very open to that to that More idea. Like so them, it's, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I, I wonder, you know, at, at what point do people start realizing that within that loss, then that sort of creates that opportunity, or is it that you almost have to go through loss and see see the opportunities that did arise that you can then apply that much quicker to the next experience of loss, whatever that is. I think there's a mindset thing here. You know, there are some people who will experience loss and will be forever stuck in it. And I'm sure you've met them. I've I've yeah. met quite a few of them and, and we can't help them. Yeah. And it's interesting because Kate, who I mentioned earlier, the coach said to me, Carol, I think you're going to be okay because you want to feel better. Yes. And she said, I've met so many people who've just disintegrated into this puddle of grief and, and it's almost like they don't want to move out of it. Mm. And I actually remember being quite envious of those women I met who were very good at disintegrating and everyone would run around after them and, and look after them. And, and it's like, no one runs around and looks after me. They're yeah, I could relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Because, oh, but Carol, you're strong. I'm not strong. I'm, mm. I'm struggling. I'm like, just because I'm up and dressed doesn't mean I'm strong. Yeah. But I, so I think that... But almost putting sort of, putting on that, um, I mean, it's not a persona, is it? It is just that kind of acceptance. Because I think I, I mean, I do actually remember very clearly the day after my husband's funeral and my parents went back home and... You know, and it was just me and my daughter and I got up that morning and I just thought, well, do you know what? I, you know, I've just got to get on with this now because this is this is now the, the beginning of the rest of my life. And, you know, and it's up to me and it's, you know, and in some way that actually stopped me from grieving because I then did just throw myself back into life. But on that same token, I think because I that because I did get on with it, then, you know, people would say, I think okay and it's of course like yeah yeah no I'm 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 good so in a way you do it is very similar isn't it that you you perhaps not put up a barrier to people running around after you but it is that comparison isn't it? as opposed to somebody yeah. who is who is stuck in it and everybody is is constantly running around to see how they are yeah and then it, then it kind of becomes a habit and similar to you I remember it was a few weeks in I remember standing in my garden and thinking, well, you know, I had him for 20 years, but I'm 40. And in reality, I'm going to be alive probably for more years than I had with him. Yeah. <clears throat> he didn't get a choice. He didn't get to choose. Um, so I've got a choice. I can either disintegrate or I can choose to live for two because he yeah. didn't get to so I was I was determined to live I, I thought I've got no idea how I remember thinking I don't know how to do that but I have to 
So I think it was that decision. So, and I'm not, that was, this was not an easy thing to do. I don't want anyone to think, oh, I decided to be happy and I was, because that's complete nonsense. No, yeah, yeah. Um, I decided that because he got no choice, I kind of owed it to him. Yeah to live and function and not waste what I still had, which was my healthy living body. So as I say, I struggled. I tried all sorts of things. So interesting, your point about being grateful to try the relationships. Obviously, I think, you know, I do believe we were happily married for 20 years. If you had it, we'd still be married. I'd probably been still in some kind of corporate role somewhere, or maybe by now I would have, broken free and done something different I don't know but I had never lived alone as an adult I met him when I was 18 I got married at 20 widowed at 40 so suddenly I was doing adult things on my own for the first time in my life and that was flipping scary yeah I can we have had such a similar path Carol (laughs) but I'm glad I did it you know now um my relationship with Ian is quite different, not just because he's quite a different chap, but but because I'm more self-contained. Mm, yes. You know, Kev and I did absolutely everything, absolutely everything together. We were inseparable. So although, in a way, because we work together, we, I spend way more time with Ian than I did Kevin, who had a job in the city. So, you know, was out for 12 hours a day with his commute. You know, we have our separate interests and we have, doesn't phase me so much, you know, if he's, he'll go away for a weekend with his mates to do his thing. And I go, great, I've got a rest. Yeah. Rather than, um, oh, I don't know what to do myself because I'm on my own. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and again, I think that's, it is about having an attitude of gratitude. Um, even in the early days, I wasn't grateful for being on my own, but I was grateful for my physical health. Um, And I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine that I'd met through widowed and young. It was a mum to two young boys. You know, that comparison thing again. So she's saying to me, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you get up in the morning without kids. (laughs) Like, why do you get, how do you get yourself? Mm. I said, well, I, do you know what? I don't know how you do it because I can't imagine being responsible for other living humans right now because I'm having a hard enough time being responsible for me. Yeah, yeah. So we were both kind of not comprehending, but in our own ways grateful for the situation we were in. Um, and the truth is it's not like you get a choice. It's not like she could send her kids back and go, you know, I can't do it with kids. No. And it's not like I could say, could I just have some kids for a bit please because that will help me really get functional it's about looking at what you've got uh, and you can be sad for what you've lost and all of that stuff but you can also be grateful for what you still have and that does not reflect or in any way diminish the loss that's where a lot of people and it's the fact that that you can heal the fact that you can go out and and enjoy your life even days later and the enjoyment might last 10 minutes before you remember doesn't mean you did anything wrong but yet we often oh you feel guilty because you forgot Mm. for a minute Mm -mm. 
no, normal. So it's okay to have these different feelings and you can't replace a person. And it's interesting, this whole thing with the widow thing is, oh, you know, meet someone else. It's in no way or shape or form a replacement. People start to can kind of put that on you. It's like, well, you can have, when you have a child, I hear, because I've not been, I've not had the privilege of being a mum. Your entire heart is filled with love for that child. And you can, it's just overflowing. When you have another one, the love for the first one does not diminish, does it? No, no. Your heart expands to, to the fact that you've got two and then maybe three. And then maybe you get a pet, you know, and there's love for that as well. And it still hasn't diminished the love for the first child or your partner. Might put the relationship under strain. That's a whole different topic. Um, so, you know, I'm not in love with Kevin anymore. That that's, you know, long gone, but I still have love for him in my heart. You know, I talk about him with love and affection and Ian is very comfortable with that, you know, cause he knows he's not, it doesn't threaten him in any way. No. And he always says, when people ask him about it, we did a press interview once. We were interviewed, I think it was in the Daily Mail, about remarriage after being widowed. And they were quite keen to dig out of him the kind of resentments and things he had. No, because what Carol's been through has made her the woman that she is. And that's the woman that I've fallen in love with. And so, yeah, so we've all got the past. Hers happened to be a loving one. So it's different. Again, I feel very grateful to have found proper love a second time. Very grateful. Um, and I try and remind myself of that when I see the untidiness. <laughs> <laughs> but do you also think... Got to do. <laughs> <laughs> do you think, though, that is because you were open to receiving it and giving it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And my heart had healed before... I started my relationship. So because, you know, I have these tools for helping people heal their heart, I needed to be fully healed because giving someone something that's cracked or broken or even smashed to smithereens is not a lovely gift. So, you know, and I did, I made the same mistakes as lots of people did. I had some really dodgy experiences um, through internet dating sites. I took stupid risks in other words, in many ways, behaved like a stupid teenager. And I knew I was behaving not well on the fact that I couldn't tell my mum about it. So I thought, yeah. well, there is Carol. And <laughs> as an adult in her 40s and you still can't tell your mum, you know you're not doing that. But I kind of did it anyway. There, there was stuff that was, you know, emotional driven. So luckily nothing bad happened. I came out of it a bit, a bit beleaguered. Because it took me a while to realise the difference between dating and a relationship. Yeah, there's a and world the problem of difference. Is, and, and this is where there's a parallels between divorce and widow. You've been in a relationship for a long time. And what you miss is the relationship bit. But you have to earn that through the dating bit that comes first, the getting to know you bit. So that's where the 
internet dating kind of goes wrong because we're looking for a relationship when really we should be looking for dates and nice times and the excitement of learning all about this new person. And then decide. And then decide or then it evolves. Potential for a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, it was a real culture shock because the last time I've been dating, I was 18. This was the mid-80s. There were no webcams. There were no instant messaging and all the blah that goes with that stuff. just wasn't a thing. There was no internet. Or barely an internet. So I learned. "Mm." So when I happened to get together with Ian, I'd actually been on my, I'd not had a date for over a year, I think, before that is sporadic. So it got me phases, but I just learned to be by myself, appreciate my own whole self. And I was actually at the point where, do you know what, I'm quite comfortable here as a woman on my own. Always hated the single word. Um, that's a little little hang-up I had. Nothing wrong with a single, nothing wrong with being single. That was my personal hang-up. And then when I was whole, that was when it was a good, a healthy point to meet someone because then, okay, I'm whole. I'm ready to give you something that's whole if you're ready to give me your heart in return. So it kind of worked. And as I say, the bit that keeps coming back from doing the work that I do and hearing those grieving hearts on a regular basis, is it reminds me that be grateful every day for what you have and take the joy in the present moment. And even now, I, I mentioned to you just before we hit the record button, I've just got a puppy. It's, he's three months old today. So I've had him three, four weeks, lost track. And he's, although he's my sixth or seventh dog, he's only my second ever puppy. And so it's 12 years since I had a puppy. Oh my word, I'd forgotten about sleepless nights and hard work. So I hadn't forgotten about getting your ankles bitten and your hair pulled and everything. But this time round, I'm determined to enjoy the good bits of puppiness, mm-hmm. of um, the playfulness, the sleepy cuddles, the all the where he's so tiny. He's a flat coat retriever. He's going to be flipping huge. So at the minute, I can still pick him up, hold him, cuddle him. When he's sleepy, he'll snuggle in. It's bliss. Rather than waiting for the next stage where he is house trained. Last time it was like, oh, I can't wait for him to be, I can't wait for him to house train, can't wait for him to be able to do this, can't wait. It's like, no, enjoy it now. Mm. Enjoy the good bits now, ride out the bits that aren't so good. Because the next phase will have, yeah, different good bits, but also some new bad bits. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, as you were Price saying. to pay for everything. Yeah. <laughs> as you were saying about that, I was just thinking that, a lot of people say that about being a grandparent, don't they? That actually, whilst you're a parent bringing up your kids, you, you're so stuck in, or not, you know, you're so just focused on getting by. You know, there's maybe work pressures, relationship pressures, um, financial pressures, everything else that actually you're just 
almost sort of going through the motions of parenting, whereas a, as a grandparent, that perhaps offers you more opportunity to to be really present and to enjoy each stage mm. that you may well have missed out whilst parenting your child. So, yeah. And hand them back when it gets really <laughs> And tight. hand them back, yeah, except you can't do that with a puppy. <laughs> no, can't do that. But, but, yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, the, the overriding lesson that I've, since I lost Kevin, you know, my, my dad died when I was 34, and that was a huge loss for me at the time. And I can honestly say I don't think I learned anything from that. I just put my head down and got through it. Mm. And I was pretty oblivious to everybody else. I just kind of tried to throw myself into my work. And, and it was a pretty miserable time. Pretty sure I made my husband miserable. But because the losing Kevin stopped everything, everything, and I'd lost my job while I was caring for him. So I had no man, no kids, no pets, no job. So I kind of had no choice but grieve 24 7. There was nothing else to do. It really made me stop. And I think, to be honest, also, there's a bit of an age thing in there as well, which because I think. Through my 30s, I'd started to fall out of love with the corporate life anyway, and I wanted to do something more meaningful. And then, bang, here I am, 40, with everything that was actually important has ended. I don't want to spend the rest of my life. So I think there's an element of, if you like, maturity in there as well to go, <clears throat> what do I actually really want from life, given that it could end tomorrow? Do I really want to get myself back into a very well-paid, sounds fabulous sort of job? Is that what I want? Really? Does it really fulfil you? No. In Kevin and his illness, had he lived, I know he would have changed career completely. You know, he would not have gone back to working in the city, you know, getting on the seven o'clock in the morning train, me picking him up at half past seven at night from the station. And being, you know, sleeping until one o'clock on Saturday and Sunday because he was so flipping exhausted. So I didn't see him awake very much. There's no way he'd have done that again. You know, because we did have conversations when he got better, which sadly didn't. I don't know whether we'd have had those same conversations had he been 10 years younger than that. Yes. So some, some of it is life stage as well. But the truth is we keep learning. Mm, absolutely. And it doesn't matter how old you are. We can still learn. We can still grow. We can still evolve. We can still find new ways to be grateful, be present. And take the moments, even if they're just short moments, take those short moments and go, well, that was a win because I had a moment of joy today. And then gradually, as you heal, you get moments that are longer or lots of moments. I did stop myself when, 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 the, when the business ended. It would have been very easy for me to say, I've lost everything. Never said it. Came close to it. I haven't lost everything. Lost my business, lost my job. 
lost my income, but I still have my physical health. I still have my roof above my head. I still have my husband who is physically healthy. I've got everything. I've got everything. So that means that that lesson that Kevin taught me held even through that new massive. Yeah, and that's the important thing to remember, isn't it? That those that you you learn from these experiences, however painful they are, but actually they then help you when you mm-hmm. get other similar experiences that come along. You can think, well, yeah, how did I how did I deal with that? What did I learn from that? Oh, thank you so much for coming on and and sharing all of that, Carol. I mean, you've talked quite a lot about helping people to heal grieving hearts. How can people, do you, do you want to say just a little bit about what you do and if people want to get in contact with you? Yeah, thank you. Yes. So I teach uh, a program called Edu Therapy. So that's E-D-U hyphen therapy. And the website for that is just put .uk on the end. And it, which is short for educational therapy. So it's technically it's psychological education. So I'm teaching you a set of skills that helps your brain uh, and your heart process loss in a healthy way. Because you can't go around it or over it. You have to go through it. The problem is many people get stuck in it, in the painful bit. So the loss never goes away. You know, you and I have been talking about losses that we had a couple of decades ago. The loss is still there. The pain doesn't have to be. So sadness, you know, sometimes I talk about with sadness, sometimes I talk about with a smile, normal, natural. But there's no no pain there now because I've healed. So what the edge of therapy does is to teach you how to do that. So think of it as driving lessons for your heart. Oh, I like that. <laughs> um, it's something that we should have learned growing up, but we kind of don't get taught it. So it's a course. So it's eight sessions. And in the eight sessions, I teach you the tools so that you can heal your own heart. But what I love about it, it is therapeutic, hence the therapy. But because it's education and I've taught you a set of skills, when the next loss happened, You've got the skills. You do not have to ring me up and say, Carol, something else has happened. You can if you want to. I'd be happy to hear you. So get your tools out. And you can help yourself. So it's very empowering. And I've seen it make huge differences. People's heads come up, the shoulders go down, and the the relief because they've learned how to put the pain down. So the sadness, I can't do anything about the sadness and the loneliness. Mm-mm, can't do anything about that. But what I can do is help you put that agony down, that stabbing feeling. Gives you back the ability to talk about someone who died and have the fond memories without disintegrating into pain and tears. So you can have the joy and have the memories without the painful bits. So you can let the pain go. So it's a four-day training course to learn how to teach this to others. That's what I mostly do now is, is teach others. I do have I do help individuals as well, a few, because mostly my time is spent training others. 
and it's Canadian. Okay. So um, I bought it to the UK last year. So it's been around for 15 years-ish in Canada. You've never heard of it because it's only been in England for about the last year mm. or so. So it's wonderful. It's very gentle. It helps whether the loss is, if you like, normal in inverted commas or traumatic and complicated and messy and or you've got lots of them I often work with people who say they've had five big losses in this last six months and that's what's pushed them onto the floor because because we're British we tend to just kind of take it on take it on take it on stiff up a bit keep calm carry on all that stuff uh, and other cultures do this as well, where we just kind of take it on, take it on, and then something, it pushes us, boof, to the floor, and we can't just yeah. keep going anymore. It's almost and then what I do is help you, point. yeah, is start putting some of it down so you can pick yourself up and live the rest of your life, as we were talking about, that new normal, the life you've got rather than the life you necessarily yeah. would have chosen, and learn to live and embrace that life rather than slog through it. So important. Thank you for sharing that. I will put the details of your website in the episode notes so people can can get in contact whether they're interested in working through their own lot, the pain of their own losses, or whether perhaps they've got an interest in exploring other people and being trained by you. You know, because the more the more this work is spread around then you know the as you say the more people we can help and the lesser the you know the pain and the suffering that people go through it doesn't Mm. take away the losses that happen and the the love that's associated with that but if we can reduce the suffering then you know that's got to be a good thing hasn't it I think it's a good reason to get up in the morning don't you yeah I reckon so (laughs) (laughs) thanks Rachel oh thank you so much Carol Oh, thank you so much, Carol. I really enjoyed listening to this conversation again as I played it back. If you feel drawn to Carol's work, either to participate in the programme yourself to help with grief or indeed to be trained by Carol so that you can help others, please do get in contact with her via the website. Details are in the episode notes. Thank you to everybody who supports me in the production of this podcast, to Jamie Farrell for the beautiful music, and of course to you for listening. Please share, like, comment. It all helps other people get to know about the podcast. Thank you, and I'll be back soon with another lesson from us. Mm-hmm.